we hear in our gospel reading today something that we might call a principle of the economics of the kingdom of God. And as in so many, many times happens when Jesus is teaching, he turns things upside down. He makes the first last and the last first, and it turns out that the economics of the kingdom of God work rather differently than the economics that we're used to in this world. And so we're going to consider what we might call three principles of the economics of the kingdom of God that we discover in the Gospels as well as simply in living out our relationship with the Father. We might start by thinking back four weeks to that time when the rich young man came up to Jesus, the reading we heard four weeks ago. Remember, he was on a spiritual search. He wanted more some sort of perfection as Jesus what he should do beyond the keeping of the commandments. Jesus said, sell all you have, give to the poor, come follow me. He went away sad because he was not willing to do that. But then Jesus turned to his disciples and said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I tell that because It's what comes next. His disciples were astonished when he said that and said, then then who can be saved? Why did they say that? Because the assumption of the time was that it was the rich who were in a specially good position to enter into salvation for a few different reasons. One, the common belief was that riches were a sign of God's blessing. If someone was rich, this was God's blessing, and it showed that he was happy with them. He was happy with the way they were living. He was rewarding them. Clearly, you would think then that they were clearly already on the right path. Also because within the requirements of the law of the Old Covenant, someone who was rich had plenty of free time and thus could fulfill all the different requirements of the law and had plenty of money and so could, again, fulfill the requirements of the law, all the different food laws, purity laws. With their resources, they could do everything that God asked of them in the law, whereas someone who was poor would have a harder time. So for all these reasons, Jesus' disciples and others of the time would have naturally assumed, wow, the rich are the ones who are have the easiest time entering into heaven. But Jesus turned that upside down and quite to their surprise, said, no, no, other way around. The rich are the ones who have it hard. The first principle, we might say, is that it's not the objective quantity of what we give that matters in the economics of the kingdom of God, but the subjective proportion of whether it is everything that we have to give. This is why he would ask the rich young man to give everything. And while looking upon the different people putting contributions into the temple treasury, he could say those people who put in a lot actually put in less than the widow who put in just a little because she gave all. They only gave some the quantity outwardly that matters, but whether it was everything. And when we say everything, it's worth noting, 
we're not just talking about money or material possessions. Remember that first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. And so when our Lord is asking for everything, it's not only asking for all money or all possessions, it's also asking for all of our time, all of our plans, goals, dreams, desires, all of our family, every aspect of ourselves. He wants all of it. So that when we examine ourselves, we may ask, what have we given? Perhaps especially to look at what are we holding on to and saying, okay, Lord, I gave you all of this, but, but this last thing I want to hold on to and just have be just mine. What are we holding on to and, and not wanting to give? If the first principle here of the economics of the kingdom of God is that what matters most is whether we give everything. And the second one might be that once that everything is in God's hands, it turns out to be remarkably effective. Remember that time that Jesus was in a remote place with that huge crowd and said, how are we going to feed them? And one of his disciples says, well, here's a boy with five loaves and two fish, but what good is this for such a large crowd? Well, remember, don't we? What good was it? It's more than enough. Of course, in ordinary economics of the world, it wasn't enough, but in Jesus' hands, it was more than enough to feed the entire crowd and have more left over. And so the little that we have, even if we think this couldn't possibly be worth anything to anyone, in his hands can do wonders. And this is true especially with the spiritual gifts that he gives. Different ones to different people. One of the signs that they are spiritual gifts, is that their effectiveness is astonishing, beyond mere natural talents, and we have plenty of those. But the spiritual gifts are amazing, and we know they come from Him. The third principle, we might say, of the economics of the kingdom of God are that when we give, it's not gone but tends to come back to us. Those things that we give, well, some of them he wants us to give to him because they're not good for us, or they're not his will for us, and they need to leave our possession. But perhaps far more often, what we give to him in the giving, and then in how he changes it and puts it back in our hands, turns out, that we end up with far more than we started with. Bishop Robert Barron has spoken of how, in a sense, this takes place in the Mass itself. In the Mass, we offer sacrifice. We offer to God the Father, Jesus himself. But the thing is, is that God the Father doesn't need this sacrifice, and so Bishop Barron uses this image that, as it were, we're giving it, and it, it breaks upon God and comes back upon us. So we come here to Mass to give to God this most valuable sacrifice we have, and Jesus himself comes back to us in Holy Communion. 
And so it so often happens with the other things that we give to him. When we're willing to give to him our time, our dreams, our family, our career, our possessions. So very often they come back to our hands different. There's a song from the 70s that sort of imaginatively takes us into that encounter between Moses and God at the burning bush. It's sort of a rock opera style that goes through different stages. And at a certain point, God asks Moses, what's that in your hands? Well, it's his rod, his staff. And God says, throw it down. And in this song, Moses objects and says, no, no, no. I'm a shepherd out in the wilderness, and here we have to have some things that are just ours. This is my security. This is mine. I'm not ready to give this up. God says, no, throw it down. Throws it down. As we remember, it becomes a serpent. Tells him to pick it up. He picks it up, and it's a rod again. He's astonished. And in this song, God says to Moses, do you see what this means? Your rod has now become my rod. That rod in your hand is now the rod of God. And with the rod of God, you can now part the waters of the sea. With the rod of God, you can set the people free. That's what happens. So often when we give these different parts of ourselves to God, he puts them back in our hands but now they're his, and they can do far more for others and for us than they could when they were merely ours. There's another song written more recently that imaginatively considers what might have been going on in the Virgin Mary's heart at the time of the Annunciation, when to great astonishment, the angel Gabriel visited her and invited her to become the mother of God. The song imagines that one of the things she might have been saying within herself was feeling that who was she? What did she have to offer? So that in this song she says, I'm not brave. I'll never be. The only thing I have to offer is a vacancy. I'm just a girl, nothing more. But I am willing I am yours. Be born in me. It might seem that the Virgin Mary actually had nothing to give, but she gave it. And look what God did with that gift of that littleness and that vacancy. And so it can be for us in the economics of the kingdom of God doesn't matter the quantity of what we give, but that it be everything. It becomes remarkably effective in the hands of God. Perhaps the person who receives most of all is us. When like the Virgin Mary, like the widow, like Moses, like Jesus himself, we give 